Helen. And I'm Liz. And we're sisters, scientists, and lifelong X-Files fans. And this is We Want to Believe. All right. So, episode 12 of the X-Files, episode 13 of our podcast. And today we're talking about fire, which I'm very excited about. I yeah, I said that last say. time. There was like a whole huge things I totally forgot about in this episode. Yeah. Before we get into that, I have two updates. And then I also wanted to let everyone know that just as we did last week, we shared a spooky story from a listener. Uh, We're going to do that again at the end of this episode. So get ready for something creepy. Yeah. And you can send yours in to wewanttobelievepod at gmail.com. Yeah. Or... One of us, if you happen to know us. Yes. That works, too. Um, And I also, I think you can message us on Instagram. Yes. Yep. We want to believe pod. pod. (laughs) (laughs) What are your updates? All right. So first one is... This isn't about banking, is it? (laughs) I actually have major complaints about banking at the moment, (laughs) um, but uh, but I'll spare you. Um, No, this is actually from a a listener who you've probably heard us talk about quite a bit now, our dear friend Wolf, the Mm -hmm. PhD in chemistry. She wrote up a little description. No, 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 no. I was worried I was wrong. I was like, oh no, no, because she's she's in physical chemistry and she does a lot Mm -hmm. with lasers and so. So, like, oh. her, her style of chemistry is far closer to physics than to bio, so I'm more oh, okay. worried, you know, than you need to be. Okay. Also, she's our friend. We don't need to be worried. <laughs> uh, no, just remember, we mentioned um, uh, a couple... No, actually, oh. ionizing radiation. So, this was oh, brought yeah. up in uh, the episode Fallen Angel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we mentioned that the guys who had been zapped by the Leo-style alien had yeah, yeah. Uh, looked, looked like burns from ionizing radiation. And so Wolf wrote us up a little tutorial on that, and I thought I could read it because oh, it's kind of fun. That's awesome. Right. Go yeah. for it. So here we go in the words of Wolf. Ionizing radiation is any radiation that can liberate electrons from atoms, thus making them ions. Interestingly, to ionize an atom, you need the light to be of a particular minimum frequency and thus a corresponding minimum energy. You can't use lower energy light, but more of it, to release an electron, which is what you might expect from classical mechanics. And then sure. she was, <laughs> That's what you might expect, yes. I know that's what everyone listening to this was thinking. Oh, I just assumed I could use more light that was yeah. lower energy. Because of classical mechanics. Right, exactly, because of all your background in that. Now, you'd be wrong. And uh, she says, to mix a bunch of metaphors, it's not like filling a bucket with water. It's like throwing a ball up to a platform above your head. If you don't throw the ball high enough, it's just going to fall to the ground. See, basketball huh. coming up again. It's sure. all coming back to my abilities there on the court. Yeah, uh, yeah. Throwing two balls to the same too low height isn't going to make the ball get to the platform. Oh, sure. That makes sense to me. Right? Yeah, yeah. This is because energy is quantized, and that's all I'm going to say on that because I could talk <laughs> your ear off about fairly boring stuff here. <laughs> and then she continues, but like ionizing radiation isn't that special. UV light at a higher frequency end of the spectrum is ionizing, for example. So the hmm. sun produces ionizing radiation, as would any heat source that's hot enough. Stars, other space stuff, I guess. And then in parentheses, I don't know about space things. Sorry. (laughs) And then then she has some thoughts specifically about the X-Files and that episode Fallen Angel. Ooh. She says... 
I'm guessing that what they're getting at is that the UFOs are using some sort of nuclear fission process to power the ship and thus releasing ionizing radiation. Oh. When you when you split a nucleus, you release the energy that was holding those protons and neutrons together, right? Right. Okay. And so I don't she says I don't specifically know how high the energy is from radioactive decay processes. And she says, I looked it up and saw units of mega electron volts immediately groaned and didn't do any conversions. The energy is definitely high enough to ionize, though. Okay. But then she says, my concern is this. If the UFOs are nuclear powered, it seems like they're wasting a lot of the energy they're producing to power the ship if it's enough to melt people's faces off. (laughs) Maybe the aliens are just using massive amounts of energy and the energy that's enough to burn us up is like barely anything for them. I don't know. Like many things on the X-Files, the science is pseudo at best. (laughs) But I thought that was excellent information. And I really, I thought that the image of the ball and like you can't just throw more balls at the same low height and they'll not not get to the platform. That was really vivid for me. Yeah. That was nice. Oh, that was great. Yeah, Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Wolf. What is your second update? Okay, so this blew my mind. I was looking up some stuff about Deep Throat, about the actor who plays Deep Throat. You said to remind you. Yeah, uh, Jerry Harden is his name. Okay, Uh, He's still alive. He's 92. Wow. Uh, He's a sculptor now. Oh. Um, In addition, he he was like a character actor in a bunch of different things. He's been married to the same woman for decades and decades. And I was reading this interview where he says, you know, something about how he always encouraged his kids not to go into acting because of what a rough business it is. Mm -hmm. But his daughter went into acting anyway. His daughter, Melora Harden. <gasps> what? Yes! Oh my gosh. That's incredible. So Jan Levinston from The Office yes. is yes. Deep Throat's daughter. Yes, Jan from The Office is Deep Throat's daughter. Oh my God, that's amazing. And so we watched an episode of The Office with Jan in it last night. And like once you know, you can kind of see it around the really? eyes. Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, it blew my mind. I was dying to tell you. Whoa. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I yeah. I to go watch more. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, look for it. I will. Um, I am a little bit congested. That's why I sound worse than usual. So <laughs> heads up, everyone. The Day We Fought Space, a Reckon-Up with Spiraling Chain Reactions, is now available for pre-order on the App Store. As a physics professor, I especially approve of this game. More about reaction than rehearsal. You'll use physics to your advantage as you create dynamic chain explosions to take your enemies down. You can personalize your ship to best suit your playstyle and the mission at hand with zany weapons such as an orbital blade, an ice laser, or a wrecking ball. The best part is that The Day We Fought Space is coming from a close friend of ours and of the podcast, Catherine Kimport, who is the game writer-in-chief at Tersiops Truncatus Studios. See if you have what it takes to reclaim the solar system in this gritty and dynamic side-scroller. Pre-order now before The Day We Fought Space's official launch on May 26th. Visit thedaywefoughtspace.com slash purchase to order now. All right, cool. So uh, we start off with some fancy English people. Oh, yes. Now we're, we're on to fire. Yes, we're on to fire, the mm-hmm. episode. And we see Cecil, the gardener, uh, staring at the, like, 
guy in the family who is leaving. Mm-hmm. Old and, British dude. Old British dude. And he suddenly bursts into flames. And as everyone else is screaming and terrified, uh, Cecil the gardener is just kind of staring at him. It's very much implied very casually. that he's responsible. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to mention that I like about this episode or just find interesting is I know we talked about in, what was that episode? Um, the computery one. Oh, um, uh, Ghost um, in the Machine. Yeah. How it wasn't that interesting partially because we knew the machine was responsible. Like we, there was no sort of guesswork or anything. And I thought it was interesting because in this one, you know, pretty much right away as well, who's responsible, but it still is a really good episode. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Mm -hmm. like, what's the source of these fires? It's clear. It's this guy. Yeah. But it's more like what's the mystery feels. It it feels engaging to know how are they going to take him down? How much damage is he going to cause in the meantime? Yeah. It's real well done. Yeah. yeah. Nice and suspenseful. Yeah. Yep. So we see Mulder and Scully in the parking lot and the car is unlocked. They're all bantery. They're all like having fun talking to each other. And yeah, they get in the car and it's unlocked. Yep. And someone had left a tape in it, um, like a cassette tape for anyone who doesn't remember those. Yes. And I I really enjoyed Mulder's remark about that. That was... uh, when Scully goes, like, what do you think is on it? He says, 10 to 1, you can't dance to it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was when he gets the tape at the end. He says it both times. Oh, does so it's he? it's like a callback. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice yeah. that. Um, and there's a British woman's voice on it, warning about some sort of explosion and how, you know, someone received a tape. And when they opened the door, and then the door opens. Yeah. And it's a British woman same one presumably who was talking and she kisses Mulder and you immediately dislike her. Yes. Immediately you do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And her name is Phoebe green from Scotland yard. And, uh, she's there to talk to them about a case. Apparently someone is burning British aristocrats, aristocracy, aristocracy. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's you this time. <sighs> aristocracy alive just gonna keep going that's fair and apparently the suspect has been sending letters to the victim's wives and there is a family from britain uh who recently moved to the states and they're worried that they could be next and in fact i think they suspect they're next and i believe that's why they're in the states is to kind of try to get them out of harm's right. way at least temporarily so they're staying right. in cape cod Mm-hmm. And yeah, this Phoebe Green, she is like a total bitch to Scully. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I kept not wanting to write bitch in my notes because I don't like when women are kind of like pitted against each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. But no, she just really is. Yeah, like, she's just yeah. really unpleasant and really yeah. bitchy. Yeah, and like a little aside of like she doesn't like me or something about Scully. Right. Like yeah. yeah. I'm like yeah, because you're awful. Yeah, <laughs> that's why she yeah. doesn't like you. Yeah. yeah. I do like around this time as she's leaving, Scully gives this real condescending wave to her back. Right. And yeah. I noted it as just being very, very real nice. nice and like fake friendly. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So Mulder says he's going to run it by the arson guys. And then she's going to be on her own. He won't get involved. The arson guy 
Real weird. Real weird. That is what I wrote. Very weird. Very into fire. Like, yeah. I yeah. feel like how like many arsons are into fire? Like, like he got into this job so he can get as close to fire as possible without being an arsonist himself, and yeah. probably he actually is. So. Yeah. 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 I would Ooh, I would watch that. That would have been off. a nice twist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would have. <laughs> they make you yeah. think it's the British guy the whole time, but actually it's the arson specialist. Yeah. So they discuss how there was no evidence of any sort of accelerator or incendiary device. I pronounced that correctly, I'll point out. That was nice. And uh the arsonist no, <laughs> not the arsonist. The arsonist, the arson specialist, or is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, says that some sort of rocket fuel is possible because it burns so hot that there isn't anything left. He mentions this phenomenon of water splitting, of like when water gets hot enough, it can split into uh, its components of hydrogen mm -hmm. and oxygen. And I thought, surely not. And so I looked it up, and no, it is actually true that that can happen. Ah. which is just crazy to me i don't know that just seems crazy anyway you got to get up over like 2000 <laughs> degrees celsius um, oh okay yeah well, good to know it's like wow i also feel like half the time things are so crazily wrong in the science that it, it's nice when you're like is this true oh yeah it is true very good see and in my head i was going right like steam and then, then i was like oh, oh no. jesus no no <laughs> not like steam yeah <laughs> i caught that one myself <laughs> so Mulder, of course suggests that it's some sort of pyrokinesis where someone is able to start things on fire with their mind which it and is it is yeah and yeah what i actually thought was funny was that like they all just kind of let him suggest that like i'm trying to imagine a situation in which <laughs> i'm talking to colleagues and someone brings that up and i'm like hmm <laughs> I mean, I guess you'd be polite to that. Well, okay, yeah, first true. of all, one of the other people here is the crazy arson dude who's probably <laughs> yeah. just like going, I wish I had pyrokinesis. <laughs> <Yeah>. like... <laughs> so it shows this fancy house in Cape Cod and the British gardener is and now painting. Before we get too far, I just want to pause for just a second to take a moment to appreciate banter because Mulder and Scully are getting to know each other better. It's a good you know, episode. And like, there's lots of like these moments where you see they really know each other pretty well now and they're comfortable with each other. And you know, there's stuff like um, when Mulder says he's, he's agreed to help this Phoebe Green, even mm -hmm. though he doesn't have to. And there's clearly some messy stuff in Mulder and Phoebe's past that Mulder says, I was extending her a professional courtesy. And Scully says, is that what you were extending? And yeah. uh, <laughs> just a lot of like her giving him a hard time about Phoebe and like, it's nice. Yeah. You're starting to see that develop. So I just wanted to, to note that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a great one for that, which is one of the reasons I've seen this episode so many times. This is mm -hmm. one that I would rewatch frequently i somehow totally forgot phoebe green's character existed so oh really yeah ah yeah so the british gardener cecil is now painting um in the house and has shaved off his facial hair we see him staring as the family is getting out of their car from the window and he puts a cigarette in his mouth and it lights itself so the family is coming into the house and there's a painting there that looks like the wife, which like, then run, right? Yeah. Like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Hang on. You're saying that if you were going to stay in a house, all right, I'm traveling soon. 
Yeah. Some of the hotels I'm staying in are nicer. It's possible they have artwork. Are you suggesting that if in one of the rooms there is a painting that looks like me, we should just leave? I'm saying that if you are running from someone who is writing you mm. creepy love letters. Mm. Okay. And, and I'm you not. get there and there's right. a painting that looks like you, then Touché. yes. All right. All right. Fair. Yes. Fair. Then you should. Yeah. And for at sure. the moment, I'm not. I don't leave for a couple of weeks. So who knows what might happen. But don't write me any creepy letters, anyone. Yeah. Let me stay in my hotel room with creepy paintings in peace. Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So fair enough. Yeah. And so yeah. it's noteworthy. Cecil was like painting the wall and mm-hmm. he's got this painting. So hmm, this right. might be relevant later. Yeah. yeah. Except it never really is. is oh, it, it totally is though. Is it? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll discuss we'll it. There. Yeah. There is a very adorable tiny little dog. Oh my God. I... Yard. Of course, I went to my most important website, doesthedogdie.com. They actually note this episode because someone writes that the guy, that someone's mean to the dog, but it's fine. Because <laughs> uh, later in the episode, the dog is, like, or just a little bit later, I think, the dog is digging. And it's, it's that. It's right then. This is, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The yeah. dog is digging in the yard, in this big giant yard, and uncovers, like, a hand, an arm, like yeah. clearly there's a body not very well buried there. Not very well buried. Like, do better, man. That's a yeah. small dog that is yeah. covering this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Bob, so, the caretaker, says something like, I'm the caretaker now. So we're supposed yeah. to believe, oh, well, this was the caretaker. Yeah. And yeah, so Bob is, is Cecil's new name while he's in America. Yeah. Cecil. And Cecil, <laughs> sorry. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he kind of, like, kicks the dog away with his foot, yeah. but it's not too bad. And the dog is fine. The dog is the fine. The dog is fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, do you know who plays Cecil slash Bob? Oh, I have a note about this. So I don't hmm. know anything else except that I was watching this, and Zach came in the room, and he said, hey, that guy was just in a Doctor Who episode. Oh, no kidding. So Zach apparently just watched a Doctor Who episode where that guy played an American FBI agent. What? Oh, weird. Isn't that weird? weird? Because I feel like he has a type. Because the other thing that I know you and I have both seen him in, he's a very similar character, I feel like. Hmm. Um, Criminal and United Kingdom. I don't know. Is he British? Is he Irish? I'm not sure. He's Badger from Firefly. Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I had to look it up because it was driving me crazy. I needed to see how I knew him. So, yeah. 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 I knew he was in something else, but I didn't bother. It sounds um, like he did like all the sci fi shows, right? If he did Doctor nice. Who, he did The X Files, yeah. he oh, did yeah. Firefly. Right. Yeah. He's a sci fi nice. guy. Presumably, he cannot actually start things on fire with his mind. Probably not. Probably not. Maybe that's um, why he was cast. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, this will save us on special effects. We're looking for someone who's a good actor and has pyrokinesis. Yeah. And he was like, my time has come. So Mulder tells Scully that he's afraid of fire. And that when he was a kid, his best friend's house burned down. And they had to stay the night there to keep away the looters. Which is Which, insane. Yeah. Yeah. But then I did some math and realized that so... If Mulder is 33 and 93, he would have been born in about 1960. Okay. And so he would have been a teenager in the mid-70s, which I feel like 
That seems like a very mid-70s parenting sort of thing to do, from what I understand. <laughs> well, wait, I've, I've already forgotten. Does Mulder say how old he was when he had to stay all night to ward off looters? No. Okay, no. so but how presumably... I pictured him as, like, William Sage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, seven. I was picturing him, like, 11 or 12. Okay. In which case, I, don't know. I still, still wouldn't. Yes. No. I think... Yeah, I just had a lot of questions about what exactly went down. You know what? We'll yeah. get into Mulder's childhood, won't we, at some yeah. point. So true. Yeah. True. That's probably the least weird thing about it. So, Yeah, very true. Um, and he says that Phoebe knows about this. And so she's he references her mind games or something. Yeah, yeah. So then we see Bob spying on the wife of the family, who I don't believe we ever learn the adults' names. Uh, they yeah, I have the two no boys, idea. But yeah. yeah. He's spying on her as she makes tea, and then he starts talking to the driver who's outside smoking and has a cough. And so Bob, very kindly, of course, goes into town to get him some medicine. But he stops to get a drink at the bar and is talking to a woman there who is clearly a little drunk. Um, and he asks her something, or she turns around for a second, and then she turns back, and his finger is on fire. And it's supposed to be like, oh, what a cool magic trick. But then his whole arm is on fire, and then he sets the whole bar on fire, and he's cackling yes. wildly as his body goes up in flames. Yes. So I'm sure the arson specialist would approve. Yeah, yeah, again, it's his dream. Yeah. Um, they go uh, to see, uh, they, uh, Mulder and Scully, right? Mulder go and to Phoebe. Molly and Phoebe. Oh, God. I'm yeah. so sorry, Scully. Yeah. Uh, I didn't write down Habit. Who. Yeah. Um, they go to see the woman in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I thought she was fairly unscathed, all things considered. Yeah. <laughs> like, her yeah. hands were burned. Oh, I thought you meant, yeah, unscathed. Yeah. She also seemed a little, un, like, non Unfaced. Yeah. Unfaced. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That's true. Kind of, yeah. 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 So this thing happened. Again, yeah. Pyrokinesis, not as weird on this show as, as you'd think. Yeah. Everyone seems sort of like, oh, that's kind of strange. Yeah. Well, to be fair, it's the East Coast. You know, maybe there's stuff going on there that we're unfamiliar with. Because we're from the Midwest, we don't realize yeah. that's actually normal out there. Right. If you're from mm-hmm. the East Coast, how familiar are you with pyrokinesis? <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever set stuff on fire with your mind? Yeah. So they're talking to her, and uh, she gives them a little bit of information. She says that he had an English accent, um, which they note, and she says that she'll work with a forensic artist um, to try to put a sketch of him. Yeah, Yeah. do a sketch of him. This is where I noted in my notes, imagine working with someone who you used to date. Ugh. Because there's a lot of like Mulder and Phoebe tension that's clearly going on where they seem annoyed with one another. And uh, it just like, ugh. I mean, ugh. I don't know. There was a period in graduate school where I was in classes with me and both of my roommates' exes. Oh. So all th- <laughs> my ex and both my roommates' exes all in very small classes oh my God. with me. That's right. It wasn't super fun. No, um, I can't imagine no, it would be. I don't recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I noted here that they imply that they had sex on Arthur Conan Doyle's grave when they yes. were dating. Yep, that is what she implies. And I mm-hmm. have a story about that. Awesome. Not I that looked kind up the of story. Good. But, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I looked up the grave, and my main takeaway was that looks real exposed. If you oh, look at hmm. Arthur Conan Doyle's grave, it's like, it'd be right out there in the open. Anyway, she does what mention is your something story? about it being a misty night. 
So okay. perhaps that was some intense attempt. mist. Yeah. 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 So I don't know how familiar you are with the podcast Noble Blood. I've never heard of it. Ooh, it's really good. So it's put on by a historian and she'll go over different kind of mysterious or spooky stories mm. of nobility in the past. Okay. And so in one recently, she was talking about Mary Shelley. Um, oh, apparently yeah. Mary Shelley was a friend oh, of the Oh, I know this! And I Did saw you? the grave! Yeah! Yeah, uh, really? Adam, I know all about this because of our vampire trip. We saw the grave you're about to talk about. Adam really? and I just walked by it in January. Yeah, I'm sorry. You should tell the story. Tell the well, story. Well, that's okay. I mean, or you can. But yeah. Mary Shelley's mom died relatively early. And so Mary Shelley would hang out there pretty frequently while she was growing up. And she took Percy, her eventual husband there, and they had sex on the grave. Yep. Yeah. For our spooky vampire-based trip to London and Paris next year that we're leading, if you're interested, remember, leapinghound.com. doesn't count as an ad. I don't have to pay anything. <laughs> Anyhow, Adam and I went to the grave to see how oh spooky God. and atmospheric is this. Is it worth stopping off and seeing it? Is it? And it it's cool, but it's not enough to justify having the whole group go just to be like, people had sex there. Moving yeah. along. Um, there's other graveyards that we're prioritizing, basically. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, and Mary Shelley herself is not buried there. Although no. her mom, I believe, was a pretty Oh, yeah. Um, on the Vindication of the Rights of Women. Yeah. Right. She's yeah. an important mm -hmm. feminist. Yeah. 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 Which is pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome to see her grave. It wasn't, wow. like, super well marked or anything. It took us a while just kind of, like, walking around. Hmm. Um, I think I sent you a picture from there because I said, look, I spotted a black dog in a graveyard. But it was, like, <laughs> this real playful dog with, like, a stick. And oh. it, like, was with its human. And they, it was real cute. Oh, yeah, it was quite nice, but it was it was like not quite enough to justify it. But yeah, I've seen that grave. Cool. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it happens. So people do I it. Don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and in this case, I feel like better Sir Arthur Cronin Doyle's grave than your mother's. Yeah. Right? I can't yeah. think of anything that would this no, it's it's <laughs> We're not going down they're that not road. even gonna go down that road. <laughs> yeah. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. And actually it kind of thinking about what Mary Wollstonecraft's grave looked like, it was at least as out in the open as Arthur Conan Doyle's, from what I saw huh. in the pictures. So who am I to, to maybe it was judge? less so 150 maybe years ago? Maybe there were a lot more trees. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Have you know. read Frankenstein? No. Oh, it's but good. But there is a really creepy statue of him in uh, Geneva. Really? Yeah. So Ooh. yeah, you mentioned Byron, because this is one right. of the things that um, that we're going to talk about on our vampire trip, oh. because they had this... Yes, because that other story that the Byron's physician started, which was like one of the first vampire, big mm -hmm. vampire stories, Yeah, and right? yeah, they... Um, he, and it seems like uh, he kind of... Pomodori? Yeah, yeah, Pomodori. We're going to go and see his house. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he really... Polidori. Polidori. Polidori, okay. Polidori. Pomodori is like Pomodoro, like tomato, like oh. the timer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Polidori, yeah. It's said that he modeled the vampire character on Lord Byron. Right, yeah, and, yeah. And, um, yeah, like, there's this, like, storytelling kind of, like, competition thing that they had yes. in Geneva, and that's where the, Mary Shelley got the idea for Frankenstein. I love that you knew this, too. Yeah, How well, we I just learned this on that episode not... of Noble Blood. Oh, wow. So, thank you to uh, Dana Schwartz. Maybe Living Home Travel needs to reach out to Noble Blood and be like, yeah. hey, 
you and your people, they should go on our trip. Yeah. Cool. Well, neat. Yeah. Anyway, I forgot so, this all came from the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Mulder wants to, he tells Phoebe he just wants to stick to the case mm-hmm. after she's talking about their past, etc. Um, so then we're back to the British people and the driver is very sick. And Bob, the caretaker, kind of hints to us essentially that he <laughs> to the camera the, yeah. The yeah. yeah yeah and then he's showing the two young boys at the house a magic trick Ugh. and yeah. yeah and makes the boys promise not to tell their parents which, which is, is like predator 101 yeah right oh it was, it was yeah. almost too much to watch even yeah. though like nothing bad happens right he well, tries to get them to smoke yeah yeah so creepy now this is where so i i finished the episode and not that long ago from talking now but i had to stop taking notes because my tv started acting weird and so i had to finish the episode on my phone and so i mm. couldn't take notes okay and watch it so and we shall rely on but, my notes yes but i believe after this is when they um no i can't remember <laughs> you're gonna have to take <laughs> it was around this time scully <laughs> is doing a profile on him and notes that he must have close access to the family right. and he must be like impulsive and violent which certainly tracks with what we saw of his behavior in the bar mm-hmm. i also thought it was odd to see scully doing the profiling because i thought that was kind of Mulder's realm yeah what but with we've the seen her do it a few psychology times now. background yeah mm-hmm. i don't know what the deal yeah, is i with don't that. know i i associate her with report writing yeah. So I don't know if she's the one doing, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Her computer did have a nice blue and white screen <laughs> to did. type on her word processor. <laughs> and it occurs to me that just in my head, I'm picturing that she's typing this up in some sort of online thing that she'll submit. And no, that's <laughs> insane, Liz. This is 1993. Right. She's, she's going to type it up, print it out, and bring it in. On that paper that has holes on <laughs> either holes side, on the side that you yeah. have to rip off. Yeah. <laughs> Scully also supposes, what if there's rocket fuel in, like, hand cream or something like that? Could that work? Um, Right. And there's Mm -hmm. talk of, like, maybe, but it would be tough to get enough of it. Yeah. And then we see the family, and luckily it it kind of flashes back to Bob or Cecil pressuring the children to smoking, but -hmm. then they're interrupted by their mom, and the mom says, hey, our driver's sick. Could you drive us to this party? Yeah. Right. And Mulder and Phoebe are walking down the street and they decide they're going to set a trap at this party. And yep. uh, Phoebe totally agrees with him. Oh, yes. Pyrokinetics. That's definitely it. Right. And Mulder says something. Mulder annoys me slightly mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. he uh, is like, oh, it's nice to have someone that agrees with me or something like that. And I feel like, don't you dare talk bad about this. I know. And like, on the other hand, it's nice to have someone who doesn't psychologically manipulate you and like play on your phobias against you you know well he learns that by the end of the episode that's true he does yeah um so Mulder and phoebe are dancing and then scully goes there yes yeah we see them later at the party phoebe mentions how she got them rooms for the night right and so they're in boston for this party and they're all dressed up and they end up dancing and uh scully shows up yeah and that's when they find out there's a fire well first you're you're missing a few steps oh scully is watching them dance and looks super awkward like not wanting to interrupt like she just got there she told Mulder that she was coming up because she had some immigration documents she wanted to show him right 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 and uh so she comes up 
and sees them dancing and is like just kind of like standing there like uh and she looks and she sees bob she sees bob yes and he's kind of just standing in the hallway being creepy and then she looks back and sees Mulder and phoebe kissing and then she looks even kind of like more uncomfortable and is like and looks back and cecil is now gone and that's when she sees an alarm going off on the 14th floor that there's been there's a fire yes and so she she very nicely runs up to them and goes there's a fire on the 14th floor and they break apart and look embarrassed and run off because they were not doing their jobs no i don't think the trap was hey maybe we go to this party too and we kiss yeah that's not a trap yeah (laughs) that's just a good time (laughs) (laughs) i don't know maybe that could be like a pickup line for people who are investigating things be like (laughs) let's set a trap for this party So, so yeah, yeah, Mulder, like, tries to go up there. He runs up the stairs. He's super afraid. And he collapses in the hallway. And the firefighters yeah. have to get him out of there. Yeah. And, and it, they say, and, oh, the firefighters, I'm sorry, don't save the kids. Bob right. saves the kids. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, the, the firefighters saving Mulder reminded me of, <laughs> do you know what I'm going to say? An arrested oh, no, development. Oh, it reminded me of an arrested development when Michael wants to go out with uh, Sally Stock, oh, yeah. um, S- Sally Sitwell, and uh, and Job is like, oh, you you know, start her car on fire and then you rescue her, but then the flames are too big and like Job has started her car. It turns out not to be her car, yeah. and so she goes out and sees him not heroically putting out her car on fire, but being carried in a blanket by firefighters unable to speak. <laughs> yeah. So it had a it had that sort of <laughs> tone did. to it for oh, me. <laughs> I was laughing because they called him Buddy, which I oh, was really funny. <laughs> I didn't remember that. That is adorable. (laughs) So Mulder is kind of sitting off to the side looking, you know, like he's sad, sad, you know, kind of mad at himself and is breathing into an oxygen mask. And Phoebe is out there like shaking the hand of Bob and oh, and Scully is there helping out Mulder, of course. Yes. And so then the next morning, Scully is in his room when he wakes up and he's still kind of coughing and stuff. And it's clear she was checking on him. And uh, she says something like, do you want to hear the reason why I came all the way up here? So she wants to tell him about the immigration documents. And do you want to summarize You have notes? Yeah, I do. without notes, I might not be able to. Okay, so basically, she says that she looks into like, all of the victims, like, domestic help. And right. her first point is, they don't do anything for themselves. There's so <laughs> yeah. much help. There's only one duplicate, and it's the name of uh, Cecil Lively. It's mm-hmm. a gardener who was at two of the victims' houses. So then she looks up Cecil Lively and finds uh, there is a Cecil Lively who died in a fire in 1971. Right. And spelled slightly different, there's a Cecil Lively who died in 1963, a kid who died in a satanic cult in the woods. And this is like never addressed. And I was like, what should I get out of this? What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, then she's like, and then this passport was scanned in in Boston two weeks ago. For and then, Cecil Lively. Right. For Cecil yeah. Lively. That's mm-hmm. the other record they have of it. Right. And the arson suspect, picture the one that was drawn um 
that was sketched out right. by the woman in the hospital is right. then faxed over to Scully. And yep. it's Bob. Yep. Of course. So Mulder, by the way, goes to the house and finds Phoebe in an embrace with the father. Right. I noted down. And I was just like, wait, what? Yeah. So he's going there to tell her that he doesn't have the picture, but right. knows the name Cecil Lively and wants to give it to Phoebe. And so he meets her there. Yeah. And she's like on the stairs about to kiss the father of the family. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. It just seems like some random extra bad thing they could have her do. It, it like, yeah. yeah. I felt like she was bad enough. We don't also need to make that like the dude involved is cheating with her or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like weird little extra thing. Um, they do note the painting again. They kind of show it to remind mm-hmm. us of it. And so now Scully shows up and we have the complication that because Cecil slash Bob had been their driver that night, they mm-hmm. think it's the driver. And right. so they, Scully tells the family, it's your driver. And so they think, oh, it's that dude who was sick and then disappeared. Right. Um, not realizing, mm-hmm. no, it's the caretaker who stepped in as the driver. So Mul- so Scully says the driver, he's the killer. Mulder says, oh, their driver disappeared, like we we're told. Mm-hmm. But then the parents, thank goodness, see the picture and go, uh-uh, no, that's the caretaker. That's and Bob. He's upstairs with the children right now. Yep. And then they show the driver who's just like in a spare bathroom burnt to a crisp. Yeah. Yep. That's where he disappeared to. Yeah. I can't imagine being in a place with so many bathrooms. I could lose a burnt man. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know you have space. (laughs) (laughs) It's a measure of of having a a big enough property is can you lose track of a man who's been set on fire? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they find rocket fuel at a can in the garage. And then, so my impression when Bob is doing all that painting in the beginning, painting the walls, painting the painting, he's using rocket fuel on all of that. So then he can Mm -hmm. use his pyrokinetic powers to push, make it all go up on fire. Right. And, uh, yeah, indeed. So Mulder goes upstairs to try to get the children and the dog and Cecil's up there and he snaps his fingers and push the whole hallway ignites because he painted it with rocket fuel. Right. So... They're kind of specific that, like, he can start fire, but he still needs an accelerant. Like, he can make fire exist, but he can't necessarily make stuff catch. Which is an yeah, that's interesting. interesting, like, yeah. distinction that they were very careful about making. That's true. As if we wouldn't find it realistic that he could make stuff catch on fire. Right. We need that j- jump in logic or whatever. Well, again, New Englanders, <laughs> tell us, is this yeah, the common Yeah, maybe this thing is normal. East? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. We're just missing something, being from the Midwest. Yeah, See, I assume it's that. we can make stuff start on fire and spread. Right. Yeah. No, we can't do that. No. We, we can't tell anyone. <laughs> so. Basically, Cecil tries to come down the stairs. Scully's got her gun on him, and he's like, well, you're not going to shoot mm-hmm. me because that spark from the gun could blow us all up. But then Phoebe comes around the corner, splashes him with accelerant, and then somehow... Right. He goes completely up in flames. Yeah. Well, and but first he kind of like freaks out. And I don't know if it's because he knows that he's going to go completely up in flames. But I felt like, I mean, I don't want someone splashing me with accelerant either. But like. Yeah. Yeah. Why no, nor do I. Stop him like that. You know Of what all I mean? people who. Yeah. I don't. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know about the story that I, with my friend Sandy and gasoline, right? 
Um, when I was I was maybe. 15. I'll tell everyone. Yep. I was 15 and she was 16 and we stopped at a gas station and I was like, oh, let me pump gas because it mm. seemed really cool. And so when I pulled the gas pump out of her car, I did not release the handle and oh. I sprayed gas completely across her shirt. Um, oh, God. Just hosed her down with gasoline. Yeah, it was like oh. you know, it was like I was ready to be in Zoolander or something in that one scene with the free gasoline fight incident. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, yeah. and, so, she and she, you know what? She didn't care for it. No, yeah. she didn't. Well, true. <laughs> I believe that, but she yeah. probably also wasn't stopped in her tracks if she was had been about to attack someone. No, I don't think so. I think she would have been able to go on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Mulder rescues the kids and the dogs yes. successfully. He overcomes right. his phobias. Yes, which is very nice. Yeah. Kids and dog, all fine. All okay. Yeah. And then as he stumbles out into the yard, Cecil slash Bob goes up in flames and is once again kind of screaming slash cackling and says something about, like, you can't stop you, me or... You can't fight fire with fire, he <laughs> yells <laughs> over and over that. again. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> and then we see Mulder and Scully back in their office, and there's some more nice banter. Phoebe left Mulder another tape on his desk, and uh, Scully asks, asks if he's going to listen to it, and he says, 10 to 1, you can't dance to it, and it's clear he's not going to listen to it, which I'm yes. very proud of him Good for. To him. Good for him. He's grown. Yes. yes. And then we see that Cecil is alive. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're told he, they anticipate a full recovery. Or, and he's like in a hyperbaric chamber. His body temperature is a steady 109 degrees. Yeah. Which I guess that's just extra spookiness. Right. It doesn't Maybe that's make supposed any to, sense to explain. Me. Maybe once, you know, if you get a fever that high. You can do this too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't try that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wanted to note that they refer to him having fifth and sixth degree burns. Oh yeah. So yeah. I like I looked that up, like because mm-hmm. I'd never heard of those. And so when you go on like Johns, Ho- I looked on Johns Hopkins website and the University of Rochester Medical Center websites, and you look at like different degrees of burns, they only go up to four. Yeah. I did find websites that mentioned fifth and sixth degree burns, um, but they were mostly like personal injury lawyer websites. Oh, really? So I don't really know what to make of that. Um, but yeah, it, I did like read in one place that, oh, a fifth degree burn is when it like burns down to the muscle and a sixth degree hmm. burn burns all the way down to the bone. But I couldn't huh. find it on any like legit looking medical websites. So I don't know. Yeah, I had only heard up to four. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Based on those sources, I would uh, not put my stock in much. Yeah, I was kind of like, I guess at least they didn't say seven, which I couldn't yeah. find reference to anywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's when you burn the very soul. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, do you want to hear what I found about spontaneous combustion? Always. All right. Let me pull it up. And this has scared me since I was 10. When really? I was up late playing video games with my cousins. And Ooh. they which were... Cousins? Dan and and Rob and Rick and Keith. And Uh, mm -hmm. I believe this was the same night that we were all trying to stay up all night. And we were looking for caffeine to drink. And we found, like, there was, like, an old pot of coffee from that morning with just a little bit left in it. I don't know if anyone... I think Rob may have drank some or talked about it, but it wasn't really utilized. Wait a second, you were 10? 
Yeah. So Dan would have been 18? No, Dan's not eight years older than me. Oh, how? So he would have been 14? He would have been uh, 13 or 14. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was I guess a that senior. Means a little bit better. Yeah. Because I was, was going to say. Eighth grader. What, why was he letting his 10 year old cousin drink? coffee yeah but, no okay, that's um, a no better. he was i think he was 13 and it's okay maybe yeah something like that but what i remember is we found a single can of root beer and mm. either rob or keith locked themselves <laughs> in the downstairs bathroom and drank the entire thing and then later found out there's no caffeine in root beer yeah. um <laughs> but yeah it was that that night dan told me about spontaneous combustion that was the first time i'd ever heard of it but I think they were trying to get me to go to sleep because then I was told that it only happens if you're awake and it never happens to people who are sleeping. <laughs> and so that stuck with me for a while. That's, that's, that's great. Yeah. So maybe, you know, hey, parents, try it at bedtime. Yeah. Well, I'll try it tonight. Yeah, yeah. Have an update next week. God, that's horrible. <laughs> Um, so this, it, this information is coming from a journal called New Scientist, which I didn't look into much. It, I mean, it is technically a peer-reviewed journal, but something about the name of it makes me uh, intrinsically not trust anything mm -hmm. coming from it. Agreed. But I have heard a lot of this information before, and this is more, this is less talking about the science behind it and more talking about the history and some cases okay. that people haven't been able to explain. So I left it for that reason that mm -hmm. it's not going to, but yeah, you know, caution. Um, also the title of the article is burning issue, spontaneous <laughs> human combustion, which is just like, that's awesome too much. Um, so this is coming from new scientists and it's from 2012, the author. Oh, and as I am looking at this, it's clear this is an opinion piece from more like a magazine. Okay. But again, this is not going much into the science of it okay. anyway. But I did want to quote it partially. The first accounts date from 1641, when Danish doctor and mathematician Thomas Bartholin described the death of Polonus Vorstius, who drank wine at home in Milan, Italy, one evening in 1470, before bursting into flames. In 1663, like Barth yep, Bartholin wrote of a Parisian woman who burned, leaving the mattress on which she lay unscathed, which seems like a totally separate issue. Frankly, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a close quote and me saying that, not the yeah. scene, to be clear. But like, that seems that that seems like someone just put her on the mattress, then, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, the first scientist to investigate spontaneous human combustion was German chemist Justus von Liebig, who examined the records of some 50 cases. He pointed out that even though anatomical specimens are stored in 70% alcohol, they will not burn. Quote, recent cases are well documented. On July first, yeah, July first, <laughs> William's birthday, uh, 1951. And now this, I've actually, I have heard of this before oh, okay. this case. Mary Reeser was visited at her home in St. Petersburg, Florida by her son. When a telegram arrived next day, the doorknob of Reeser's apartment was found to be hot. When police broke in, all they found was a mound of smoking ash with the leg protruding and charred liver attached to the spine. 
What? When police broke in, they... Oh, sorry. That was like a quote that they do in magazines. Oh, gotcha. The remains of John Irving Bentley of Countersport, Pennsylvania, were found by a meter reader who let himself in on the 5th of December, 1966. A pile of ash and half a leg was what remained. And the most recent case was 76-year-old Michael Flaherty, who died... Uh, sorry, Faraday, who died on the 22nd of December, 2010. Wait, what? Yeah, West Galway coroner Kieran McLaughlin oh, reported so this is the of death okay. as spontaneous human combustion. So just to summarize, we cannot get people to burn. Like you said, just store people in alcohol, they're not yeah. burning. And right. yet, occasionally, they burn. Yes. Now, I would strongly Wait a second. Suggest... Hang on. Hang on. Of course huh. they burn. That... Wait a second. They do burn, though, because cremation. Well, sure. I mean, if you get anything up to a high enough temperature, it'll catch on fire, right? So what's going on there? Is it possible they were just poorly cremated and then set there? No. I mean, I think there's enough forensic evidence to state that, and from what I know of the Mary Reeser case, mm -hmm. that, like, there's something weird happening I would not say that they spontaneously combusted. Like, I, I do not, from what I've read, mm -hmm. I don't think there's enough to say that. But I also don't think they were cremated and then put there mm -hmm. afterwards. You know, I feel mm -hmm. like there's a middle ground where somehow they caught on fire in their homes. Gotcha. And yeah. then burned. Yeah. Interesting. So, what the go? point is that there are unexplained burnings. Um, there isn't anything that can really Make explain it, it. Um, yeah. but also not cause to believe that people will just spontaneously combust. Especially not if they're asleep. Right. Um, there is... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was me just agreeing with that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and especially if they're asleep. <laughs> One more the thing that I want to read from this. Quote, in January 1986, a BBC Newsnight program demonstrated the Wick effect. The following year, Nigel Crutenden of the Kent Police Force used the Wick effect to explain the death on December 28, 1987, of Barry Sudane, a handyman from Folkestone, UK. Sudane's charred remains were found in his largely undamaged flat. Hmm. Crutenden surmised that fat in the body had liquefied in the conflagration and fueled the fire the wick effect was becoming oh, the accepted explanation my god is it called the wick effect because the fat becomes like the wick uh-huh yet clothing oh. soon burns away leaving no wick combustion lasts 12 hours or more and the corpse is not destroyed spontaneous human combustion is a very different matter so i don't i don't know you know wow that is super gross yeah, I could have done more research like, on this, but I didn't have time. I assumed that was named for somebody with the last name Wick, and oh. then I realized, wait, no, you are the Wick. Ugh. So that's that's what I've got as far as spontaneous combustion. Not all right. Not a lot. I, I don't know. That's a medium amount. Yeah. Yeah, it's a medium amount. Yeah. yeah. I think I have, you know, what's out there for the most yeah. part. There wasn't yeah. much. There were a number of articles from the 1800s, which I thought was interesting. More just like reports of it, mm, um, cool. which I strongly suspect are not actual cases of spontaneous combustion, but it was kind of fun to read. So, oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a good episode. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Next is Beyond the Sea. Oh, which is so great. intense. So yep. good. So yes. intense, but so yes. good. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. But Fire Ugh. is one of my favorites, I'd yeah. say. At least from season one. Yeah, agreed. I think it's a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, before we go, I have another yes. creepy little story. Go for it. This comes from Casey, who is another writer friend of mine on Twitter. Oh. And she says, once I saw a ghost move a cup across a table, crazy times in my haunted college dorm room. Ooh. So I, I asked for more information. Yeah. And she said, well, like I said, I, I went to a very haunted college. She went to Mount Holyoke. And oh, she, that's where baby was going to go. I, I know. Anything. That is like all I know of to hear <laughs> that it's, oh, baby's going to Mount Holyoke in the fall. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So, sorry, Casey. So anyhow, she went there. And apparently it has this reputation for being super haunted and there's like all these stories about it online and she says in her dorm the room exactly one floor above hers was the ghost room it was locked and no one could live there and she says of course we the students knew it was because a ghost lived there although the college's official story was that the room was storage well living (laughs) living right below it meant i heard plenty of noises in the night and my door would never stay shut i would have to lock it or put a chair in front of it so it wouldn't open while i was sleeping Ooh. And then she says, another time I was wandering in the basement of a different dorm at night and I came across a small door under the stairs. When I tried the knob, it was unlocked and there was some sort of passage underneath. So of course I ran to grab my friends to go exploring. But by the time we got back, the door was locked shut. That was super eerie because it wasn't even 10 minutes later and it must've been around midnight on a Saturday. So no maintenance people were around. Oh, ooh, creepy. Yeah, right? Yeah, Yeah. real creepy. So, uh, So yeah. I did not know that about that it had that reputation. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, yeah. I think we've exhausted the limits of what you and I know about Mount Holyoke, and that is a single <laughs> yeah. line in Dirty Dancing. Um, and she said, going by 1993 standards, uh, she would like to be played by Winona Ryder when Mulder Ooh. and Scully investigate this haunting at Mount Holyoke. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. An excellent oh, wow. choice. Cool. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell the story of your haunted dorm room? <laughs> dorm room <laughs> oh sure yeah if i can um there's a reason this didn't come up under uh, legitimate creepy experiences we've had okay so i gotta be honest that room creeped me out i went to northern mm. illinois university my dorm room in actually a pretty new building it creeped me yeah. out i swear that like once i got up i took a shower and i came back and like books that i'd had on like my bookshelf were now in my bed huh i never sorted that out but um I had these keys on like a, a hook that you like stick to the wall. Like and a command strip sort of Yeah, exactly. Situation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And multiple times while I'd be like laying in bed in my dorm room, the keys would fall off the hook and end up on the floor. But it's a hook. That's not how hooks work. The yeah. hook stayed on the wall. The keys somehow ended up on the floor. So I was convinced it was haunted. And it happened several times. Yes. Like it several was not, times. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember you, like, calling and being like, it happened again, my keys, yeah. and yeah. And so then I was trying to, like, show someone what was happening, mm-hmm. and as I did so and was kind of miming with the keys, it happened again, It the but what happened was the top of the, the tape or the command strip or whatever must have weakened, it started to fall down, the, so the hook tipped forward, the keys fell off, and the hook... F- flung back into to place and stuck itself back to the wall. So it was just sort of dipping forward and then dipping back because the yeah. top of the, the sticky bit was weakening. So yeah, no ghost, at least no ghost. not a key based ghost. Not right. convinced there were none. Yeah. Yeah. I did once think that 
there was a ghost in our apartment downtown. I yours and we Zach's or mine and no, yours? No, mine and yours. Oh. Because one morning I woke up and I had a bunch of stuff in my bed that I hadn't put there the night before. Oh, yeah. And um, my friend Molly was sleeping over. She was on the couch and I ran out and I woke her up and I was like, Molly, did you put stuff in my bed? And she was yeah. like, no. <laughs> um, and I was like legitimately freaked out. Yeah. Until later that day when I was looking at, you don't remember that? No, I like I really don't. thought there was like God, all the stuff all. in my bed suddenly. Wow. No, but then I looked at my clock on my cell phone and I realized that I had set my alarm because I was going to go volunteer that morning. And so I had my alarm set for super early at like five o'clock or something. And so I must have gotten up and then decided that I wasn't going to go volunteer and Whoa. laid back down because it was all like the stuff I was going to wear that day and like oh, my hairbrush God. and stuff. And so then I, I crawled Did back. Did you kind of remember it? Or? Yeah. Once okay. I saw that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But oh, God. That's weird. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it really freaked me out for a while. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next up is Beyond the Sea. Send in your stories to we want to believe pod at gmail.com. And until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>